0: Boys, guys. Uh, welcome to the show. We've got uh, Tom uh, Scannelberry here today. Tom's got in excess of 20 years' experience in customer experience management. He's chaired customer experience expert forums. He's appeared as a keynote speaker and thought leader uh, in front of Australia's biggest brands. Inadvertently, we'll talk about this later in the show. Uh, he's also shared the stage with Obama, Branson, and Oprah, which is pretty amazing. He's successfully implemented and managed numerous sex programs, customer experience programs, uh, utilizing a range of technologies and methodologies. He's a self-confessed fan of authentic experiences and businesses that are committed to delivering them. Uh, when he's not busy on experience management, Tom's a massive surfing and snowboarding nut. He loves nothing more than sharing a wave with his children. His aim is to have all three of them on a, on a wave with him. This is currently a work in progress confidentially. I don't want Tom to hear this, but uh, Noah, his young fella, in my opinion, is a better surfer already, but uh, that's uh, a story for another day. And finally, Tom uses passion for customer experience or experience management to find out what the world's largest brands are doing to help his clients learn from what these practices are. So welcome, uh, Tommy. I sort of wanted to start with, I think whenever we sort of talk about Customer service, customer experience, employee experience, and we'll talk about the the defining aspects there. I think I always go back to uh, when was the last time I had a really, really, really good customer experience, and often I have to search way back, and it's not that common. But when I do stumble across that occasion, it's really uh, quite impressive, engaging. You know, there's a real sort of emotion around that experience. Conversely, bad experience way more common and of course there's a uh, correlating emotional response in terms of how it makes me feel. So I guess my first question is what is the elevator summary of what customer experience is and what your firm does in this regard. Okay, well
1: thanks Sean, before I jump in the elevator, I've got to, I've got to just go back to that intro and um yeah, pretty um clear that surfing is a big big part of what I like doing and um I think if if we just start there it's uh it's those kind of things in our days in our weeks and in our years those experiences right that are rich in experiences it could be something that's you know exciting I'm lucky I lived night by the beach so I get to surf but it could be a holiday it could be some things with your family it could also be on the flip side some pretty kind of negative things that might happen in 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 life so experiences shape us they define our lives so when you talk about your experiences when you're a consumer or when you're an employee like you rightly said you're talking about emotion so it's it's how how we feel so we don't just kind of switch that off the minute we become a consumer or the minute that we go into work we're you know living breathing human experiencing uh life so That's the hard thing when we try to kind of define what customer experience management is, is, you know, people kind of look at it as like it's a wishy-washy thing. It's intangible. And it is is hard to measure. It's hard to capture. But ultimately, if you want to talk about a customer experience is how people feel about that business through the entirety of their journey with you. Those interactions could start long before they become a customer and could actually endure after they leave. They've got views and opinions. So that's essentially what customer experience is. On the flip side, employee experience, which I know we're going to have a good conversation about as well, is the equivalent. How, how do your employees feel or how do you feel as an employee throughout your employee life cycle with a particular business? So that's what CX and EX are. And uh, essentially what we do is, is uh, we add the management to it. So, I know we'll, we'll talk about it. I won't jump in too deep. This is the elevator and I think we're arriving on the ground floor. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we try to put some methodology and kind of tangible steps around how do you manage that experience so it's better.
0: Yeah. So, if we sort of use that uh, theme of experience management that wraps everything up – can you sort of just maybe explain to the listeners why companies are doubling down on experience management and you know maybe discuss or touch on some of the tangible economic benefits of doing so and is there any good examples you can tell us of a product and or a services company that are nailing that um, and any sort of data or, or evidence to say it's worth investing in?
1: Yeah, sure. So. Yes, a lot of businesses are doubling down on it. Um, so around around the year 2000, um, a paper came out of uh, of Harvard, a guy called Fred Reichheld and mm-hmm. uh, Rob Markey came out and said and actually released a book, said the one number you need to know. So this is the one number you need to grow, which is the NPS, the Net Promoter Score. So that came out of a lot of work in advocacy economics. And essentially what they were kind of sharing was that if you've got advocates for customers, then you're gonna succeed. And the NPS is a classic way, and we'll talk a bit more about that later, but an easy way to measure the advocacy of your employees and your customers. So if you fast forward a few years and you've got the GFC, and all of a sudden you've got companies thinking, well, I really need to work hard to retain my customers because the market has tanked. So there was this renewed focus on customers. And then you had the digital revolution with the smart device getting released on the market and all of a sudden customers had the information that they needed in their hand all the time. So what we say is that customers have now a megaphone and super hearing. So what's happened over the course of the last 20 years is that you've had this huge shift of, um, I think, power to the consumer. So if you think about the banking experience 20 years ago, you get there at 4 o'clock too late. Yeah. You can't do any banking until Monday morning if you're on a Friday. That is very different to the way banks offer their services. now. Bank managers will drive to your house. Mm. You've got an app in your phone. Mm. You've got, it's, you know, if you think about it, it's a great time to be a customer. Mm. So you've got all sorts of examples of this transformation towards more customer-centric behaviour. Why are they doing that? doing that because it makes money Yeah. because companies that do focus on providing better customer experiences outperform the market and more than ever, they are disproportionately rewarded for it. If you do the wrong thing by your customers, you are disproportionately punished for it. Um, If you think about an example of who does it well, um, if you think about Apple Retail, and most people will have been to an Apple store, Well, Apple never used to sell products, you know, in that way. So they obviously put a lot of thought into creating that retail experience. When they did that, they did something where they designed the experience. They wanted it to be different. So they wanted it to feel like a hotel. So when you walk in that front door, there's a greeter. There's somebody who's trained to greet people and You're not going to walk into a a store and not know what what to do. And they're trained amazingly well. So they train these employees well. They designed the customer journey with emotion in mind and you don't have counters there. Of course, you know what it looks like. It's all open plan. There's a lot of buzz. All of those employees are really highly trained on, you know, body language, building rapport. So it doesn't feel like you're going into a tech shop, not knowing what you're talking about, Um, So they designed that experience really well. The other thing they did is so they looked at that hospitality they thought, I want that concierge. Then they looked at what are hotels doing that retail is not? And one of the things they found was they were getting these feedback loops. So they were asking for feedback after a hotel stay. Hotels have always done that. And uh, what's happened now is that was one of the first retail examples of having that customer feedback in the hands of those store managers And then, I mean, they do a lot of great things, but that's one of the kind of instrumental reasons that, by square meter, they're the most successful retailer, you know, on the planet. They designed it well. They designed for emotion. They trained their staff, empowered them, focused on the right things to get that customer emotion emotion in the right place. Then they measure their feedback and they act on it every day before they open the store. They're reading the feedback from the day before. They're celebrating and they're learning. Yeah. So you know, that's one kind of key example of a brand that's really kind of got it right from the beginning.
0: And what about, is there any sort of good examples from the services sort of sort of thing? So obviously that's a product-centric company. Yeah. You know, obviously they're, they're creating um, experiences in the way that you described there before, but what about uh, organisations that are selling a service, so something that's not a physical product?
1: Yeah, okay. So, um, I mean, is an example that have, you know, data plans, they have products as well. But they went through a pretty massive transformation under a CEO that was appointed, David Thodey about six years ago now. And basically he came in with a transformational approach where um, he wanted to take that old telco into a new age and really rally around the customer. Now, most people that have a phone or, you know, have to deal with, with telcos have had issues. There's a lot of friction in that relationship. If Your phone stops working, then uh, you're not happy. <laughs> now, I think one thing that's interesting is that if, if say, for example, a tower went down, um, if, you, if phone service went down back in the day, you know, everyone would be jumping up and down. A day later it would be fixed. What happens now is if something goes down in the network, the CEO is on the press. They're out there front foot. They're telling everyone what they're doing. So they know this is kind of crunch time. Now, what they did was they implemented feedback loops. Yep. Um, so that, that, that measurement, they trained all of their staff in big immersive kind of training. They empowered their teams. They, they came up with like literally hundreds and hundreds of mini initiatives, all of them rallying the employees around the customer. Um, they did this thing called Thanks a Million where they rang a million customers and thanked them. Every single employee got involved in doing that. They did another thing, which was when um, they launched, they got their executive to go down and answer phones and talk to customers. Yeah. So um, you know they tried to get everybody close to the customer, having the customer in mind, and then through that, all of these kind of like initiatives and uh, cultural changes happened. Um, and uh, you know another thing was like. If you're a Telstra employee and you're at a barbecue and somebody tells you, oh, my gosh, I've just changed house, moved house, and this connection hasn't happened, you know, those employees would want to run and hide. So they built an app right there. They could say, right, I'm reporting this problem. This is my friend. This is my name. And they could track and see that that problem was fixed in real time. So some people might still have problems with Telstra. (laughs) I guess I say, you know, if they didn't do all this stuff, imagine what kind of experience you'd be having.
0: Absolutely. Now, pretty unforgiving environment, like you said, that telco industry, uh, they generally don't get the accolades for the good stuff, but the bad stuff, you know, people jump on pretty quickly. But uh, I mean, I don't have that information close to hand, but I think broadly, I understand that their market cap and share price and everything else grew through that time with David, David was the CEO. So it seems like he drove that customer experience as one of the key initiatives as part of his broader strategy, the transformation strategy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've touched on a couple maybe already, but can you sort of discuss or mention any of the tangible benefits of really nailing that uh, experience management, be that from an employee point of view yeah. or, you know, a customer point of view? Yeah, okay. Well, if you think about what we call the net promoter
1: school, the net promoter system, Basically, you ask this question: How likely are you to recommend X company or product to a friend or family member? So, wh- what that does is it actually it categorizes your customers. So, what we say nines and tens, we call them promoters. Sevens and eights, passives, neutrals. Six to zero, we call them detractors. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what happens is once you start measuring how people feel about you, then you can see uh, and track how how they behave. So what we know is that if you have promoters, they're loyal. They're not price sensitive. They actually want to help you succeed. So if they find a problem, they'll say, hey, just to let you know, this isn't working. Thought you guys should know about it. But most importantly, they're out there uh, recommending and referring and talking about your product. What people do is they believe strangers more than a company's own marketing campaign. So they'll look on you know, whatever the review site would be and have a look what strangers think about Mm. something before they make the purchase. Um, So you have more promoters, your business grows without you investing in all of those kind of like traditional marketing channels, Mm. which are becoming less and less effective Mm. now that you've got these, your customers, your advocates are your new marketers, right? Um, And it's easier to keep a customer and to find another one and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to reduce churn. On the other side of it, you reduce the number of detractors that you've got. That's where the damage really is is Mm. because you've got somebody who's a customer or an ex-customer who's out there and they love to talk. In fact, they love to tell their stories more often than people that are really happy about you. So you want to reduce the amount of detractors. You want to recover them. In fact, if you actually double down and recover those, if you identify and recover those detractors, you can actually make them stronger promoters and they would have been in the first place so how does it make sense in the kind of cx perspective for a business well it reduces a lot of your costs things become kind of you find a lot of efficiencies a lot of the time customer would like something to be easier and we can automate it and so you can get people to do other things so there's an increase in productivity there's an increase in customer retention there's a decrease in churn There's, um, you know, increase in loyalty. So they're all financial metrics which are really driven. On the employee side of things, well, there's the same kind of method applied to employee experience. We know that more engaged employees are more productive, less likely to leave, less prone to accidents, all of these kind of like no-brainers. Sick days, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So but how do you know how they're feeling? Now, most companies will have some form of engagement survey. Um, Traditionally, they're done once every two years perhaps, and, um, you know, it's pretty hard to make that actionable. It's not in real time. So the same customer experience methodologies about feedback loops and asking the right questions, acting on it, they're deployed in the employee realm. So look at that employee journey. What was our recruitment process like? What was your onboarding process like? checking in and taking the pulse on 90 days, Mm. post-training, those big kind of engagement surveys. So you can get a lot of rich data in real time that's actionable and um, what we find is that what the research says is that employees that feel that their company listens and acts on their feedback, they're three times more likely to do something positive and constructive for the company uh, even when nobody's asking them to do it. So you have a good EX program. And you've got higher levels of productivity, higher levels of goodwill. They want to get out and, uh, you know, do the right thing for you. You have all of that lower churn, turnover. So, again, these are hard numbers. Um, So, there's a lot of business kind of things. But ultimately, it makes it it a better place to work. A really customer-centred organisation is really kind of tying into that Simon Sinek of the why. It ties in like purpose. There's purpose in our work. We can see what we're doing, um, getting recognised. You can see the positive feedback come come back through. So it, it really creates more purposeful workplaces. And that's ultimately like sky blue. That's where we really get a kick out of what we do is we 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 can help businesses like reconnect to their purpose because ultimately I think Branson said this definition of the definition of a business is to improve the lives of your customer through interacting with you. Now, often we forget all that because we get so busy and so many different things are happening. But, um, you know, we like to think that a, a great CX and X program creates a more purposeful place to be.
0: Uh, heaps of uh, tangible benefits there. And there's not a single organization that we deal with in our world where people isn't uh, one of the most important aspects and, and or one of their challenges uh, within their business. Uh, and obviously that churn is costly. Uh, very, very hard to get that discretionary effort. And I think, you know, when you've got engaged employees, you get that discretionary effort. And I think, you know, using one of those Branson like quotes, he almost said, Don't worry so much about the customer, double down and focus on your employees. And if your employees are really engaged and really happy, then naturally they're going to look after your customers really, really well also. So there's a lot of uh, economic benefits within that. So for those that are sort of just starting to get their head around this notion of experience management, you know how do companies typically start that journey of embarking on this as a process or a key sort of pillar of their business? Well,
1: there's kind of two different typical ways that we see businesses start their journey. So uh, one's kind of like the bottom up. It's like there's a survey that's happened. A department has created some kind of survey, and we're, there's there's some data that's being collected, and, and that's probably the most common. That out of marketing, there might be you know some kind of engagement survey that's been run through the ex side of things. You know, HR has probably done some kind of engagement survey. So generally, um, this little bit of awareness starts with some data that comes
0: mm-hmm.
1: in. Mm-hmm. So we call it X data. I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute, but uh, ultimately. Businesses often start this journey with collecting some information and going, well, what do we do with this now? The other way is like the top-down approach where usually it's some kind of reaction to the market where uh, businesses really need to turn around and there's a new executive, new CEO, and it's kind of like let's absolutely transform this business around. The Telstra example is one and there's there, there's others, but it's a transformative kind of like reaction. We've got to do something big. Here's our play. Yep. Now, more often than not, there's interest within the business somewhere in some pocket and people start surveying or they start thinking about what can we do. Um, the maturity curve, the CX maturity curve, it kind of like doesn't matter where you are, um, it's always going to be moving. You never reach, yeah. you know, organic, the end. Right? Yeah. That's right. It's not yeah. a project. It's going to be an ongoing commitment. And the more you look, I like to think it's about those um nightclubs, which Sean, you and I never go uh, to. Of but, course, no, never. You know, particularly at the end of the night when yes. they turn all the lights on so they've got to kick <laughs> everyone out. It's yeah. like, oh, my gosh, you can see everything and everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, uh-
1: <laughs> but essentially, what, like that, that yeah. feedback program does, it, it just turns the lights on and you you can see your business for what it really is. Mm, mm. And, um, you know, you have the right data in your lap, you can make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Usually, it starts with a survey yep. or something along those lines. Um, the, the trick is like, all right, well, how do we make that actionable? What's important? What's not? There's so many things here to do. How do we prioritize them? And then, how do we actually get people on board? Because we want to change people's behaviors, right? For sure. So, how do we actually do that? And, you know, there's a methodical kind of process to walk through that to just uh, continue to improve. Yeah.
0: So, once you've got that sort of feedback loop by way of data, you know where the baseline is that gives you a view on where you are versus where you want to be maybe. How do you then, and maybe you sort of just started to answer that question, how do you then use that feedback loop to create meaningful change? You talked about changing behaviours which then presumably then flow on to commercial benefits to the organisation, whether that's less staff churn, less customer churn, uh, better margins as a result of engagement, whatever the case might be. So how do you then get that data to then embark on, Uh, systematic or behavioural change to create those economic benefits?
1: Okay, so the first step is to really kind of map your customer journey. So really get in the kind of the shoes of your customers, you know, through those different segments and actually walk through that journey with them so understand what that looks like. Then, Then you want to ask the right questions at the right time. You want to check in with your customers throughout those moments that matter and those moments of truth. So a lot of it comes into designing the right questions and surveys to ask. Um, and, I mean, you start somewhere. It doesn't really matter, but this is about getting it right. Mm-hmm. Um, the next step is about getting that feedback in the hands of the right people at the right time. So there's you want to get it as close to the interface between business and customer. So the frontline managers should be getting that feedback quickly, just like the Apple example. They get it; they actually get it in real time. If you leave a store and you've you You get a survey and you kind of give them a low score. The manager will call you probably before you get to your car. Um, And, I mean, that's closing the loop, right? So there's nothing worse than asking feedback and then not doing anything about it. It almost does more damage than, you know, anything. So you want to make sure that you're ready to kind of respond. Whatever you're going to ask, you need to be able to action so you get it in the hands of the right people. But then at the same time, you want to have this kind of high-level executive view as well. So you need to have a look at where are the trends, how are different areas of the business performing, where are the opportunities. So there's kind of like recover the customer, celebrate the success, turn that back into recognition. There's nothing more kind of people work for a purpose, not a paycheck. So you've got feedback in your hands and your employee has done something to improve that experience, just go and talk to them and tell them and celebrate it. That's something that, you know, Apple did every day and lots of businesses do. And that's the key. You're not trying to find things that are wrong. A lot of the time you're trying to find things that are right, then replicate it. and Learn and replicate it. That's right. So why are people promoters? Let's kind of role model that behaviour, kind of get it happening. Let's make sure that we don't lose anyone at the other end. Let's look at that from the front line, but let's have a look at the C-suite and apply the resources and strategies and support so that that kind of journey cannot like keep keep improving. The other thing is from an EX perspective, you need to act. If you're going to ask, you need to act. So you need to be able to have the right cadence of uh, pulse surveys or, or touch points with your employees as long as you're going to act on it because, again, if you take feedback, don't do anything about it, then you're kind of, again, doing more damage. So it's about getting the – here's the last thing I'll say about this is the business needs to be kind of in the right mindset for this. Mm. You can't just throw in a survey program and expect it to work. Mm. You need the team to be focused around why are we doing this and this kind of all right, are we actually really committed to focusing on our people or our customers and let's get ready, let's get the kind of um, mindset right. It's mm. nothing worse than coming in on a Monday and having 10 screaming complaints in your inbox so um you need to know how to kind of deal with that and be ready for uh, for the journey.
0: Now that's a great answer. I, I like um, I like the fact that the data gives you one thing, but unless you've got an action plan or are prepared or can act on some of that stuff, then you kind of potentially set yourself up to fail a little bit and perhaps you get a little bit of broken trust. And of course there's plenty of variables in business. BAU gets in the road of execution or some of those things. So you need to understand uh, what your organization's ability might be to act on some of that feedback, but also like the real-time example you used of Apple, and I shared a quick story when we're just sort of kicking off about the real-time aspect of Domino's. I went to Domino's head office, went to their D-Lab, and they've got a a digital uh, fish tank in their reception area, and uh, unbeknown to me at the time, I just thought it was a, a digital fish tank. But it was later explained that every day, I think the store managers log in. They provide some feedback on how they're seeing their role, the company, et cetera. That data then feeds into the visual dashboard, which is the fish tank. And if the fish are swimming in a very controlled, calm manner, that's an indication that the pulse of the organisation that day is everyone's engaged, they're calm, they're good. If those fish are swimming in a more frantic, crazy manner, that's a visual snapshot to say shit, you know, people aren't feeling so good about their role or the business and all the rest of it. It's so that real time aspect. And I think so many companies, and to a certain extent us, you do you do an annual survey, that's great. But you know, that's one day of three six five, right? You've mm. you've missed data potentially in real time for three six four of the three six five. So I think that real timeness is is really, really critical.
1: Yeah, look, I mentioned experience data right mm-hmm. so essentially you've got operational data which we're we're rich of yeah we know all of our p yep. l our numbers that you know call time handling all that kind of thing so we call that operational data mm-hmm. then the stuff that we're talking about the emotional kind of stuff how people are feeling the x data that's essentially where the tangible piece of, of experience management comes in so what you're doing is your o data tells you what has happened in the past Your X data is telling you what's going to happen in the future. It's predictive. So it's blending your O and X data so that your your leadership team have got all of the right things in front of them. So they're not telling you what they think. They're telling you what they know. know, And I love that example because that's about the best dashboard I've ever heard of is how are people feeling? Mm. Because that's going to predict how the business is going to perform on that day. If you've got frenzy fish then yeah you're probably all of your o data is yeah. going to be looking pretty bad down the track, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: so that's a good point I mean obviously o data is critically important unless the business is financially sound, then nothing else matters because you fail to exist uh, in time but now with the millennials, the other generations, uh, would you say in your experience that X data is of high importance. I mean, let's just say O data is a given. You've got to be functionally uh, profitable and all the rest of it. But would you say that uh, millennials and uh, the more recent sort of generations are valuing that X data and the experience as much, or, or perhaps even more than that O data? Yeah. Well, um, they want
1: their business to know how they feel, but they they, they want the business to care about how they feel. Uh, they also want to be recognised more than I think other generations. So you know, and we might say, well, that's tough, but <laughs> um, but like rightly so. You know, we want one of the biggest drivers of engagement is actually being recognised for the work that you do. And um, I think seventy percent of people who leave a role in one stat I was reading recently left because they didn't feel recognised or appreciated for what they what they were doing. So, definitely younger generations are used to getting more real time kind of feedback. So, you know, collecting, sharing, and then seeing the business act on X data is super important to those, like those emotions we talked about, to our experience in the workplace. So, that's essentially what we're talking about. It drives discretionary effort, how we're feeling. So, they're dialed into it but you know why shouldn't
0: everybody else in the workforce not just the youngins absolutely absolutely so no good uh good point now tell me i want to shift the conversation now to i know you're a big deal and we've talked about that uh pre the show but talk to us about the day that you shared the stage in inverted commas uh with obama branson and oprah and, and how you were the recipient of pretty amazing, uh, an amazing experience that particular day, and maybe how that made you feel. Talk us through that.
1: Okay. So, you know, to set the records straight, <laughs> uh, I didn't necessarily share the stage. Um, however, I was attending the world's largest experience management conference, a, a company called Qualtrics, who we've worked with since we were founded. Now, they got a great backstory. They started in a garage. The son and his father started uh, around the turn of uh, the millennium, and uh, they just got picked up and sold for eight billion dollars by SAP just last year. Wow. So SAP, as you would be aware run systems operating systems for i think 70 percent of the world's transactions or something crazy right so that they just before Qualtrics listed they went in with a cash offer and bought them because that's how important they see experience management they say that is the new battleground so therefore we want to have the world's largest and the world's fastest growing experience management platform which has incredible capabilities of um I'm not plugging them, but they are kind of like market leaders in employee experience, customer experience and brand experience. They're great. So, you know, their people are great (laughs) as well. Uh, So uh, before this conference, they're an experience management company, so they do all the right things for their employees. People love working for them and, and I hear incredible stories about what they get to do at work. But for their customers, they get, 14,000 people together was the number at this conference and and what they want to do is they want to make that experience as good as possible for you. So I knew how it worked. They sent out a survey <laughs> beforehand and asked, hey, is there anything we could do to make it special? So I'd been over the last few years and, and my wife hadn't come. So she's <laughs> a part of the business. So um, she got to come along, but um, I wrote a little note saying, hey, look, my wife doesn't think I do any work when I come over. <laughs> um, so can you can you just make me look like a little bit of a big deal in front of my wife so she thinks that I've been chipping away, growing the business, doing all the right things. So that was it. I sat at home, I sent that off. And in my head I thought, you know, it'd be nice to sit up near the front because look at the speakers. Yeah. It's the most incredible yeah. lineup I've ever seen. And uh, so the morning of the conference, I get a, a message from Tyler who is the marketing, uh, the events manager who works in Qualtrics and he he said, look, you've been randomly selected. We'd like to get you up near the front. And I thought,
0: fantastic.
1: So we were ushered in, you know, <laughs> got right up there. Yeah. And then Ryan Smith, the CEO, came out and uh, launched the conference. And, I mean, this is an American massive conference. It there's, there's lights down. Music, there's like, I think it was like a 100-metre screen. It was just massive, and there he's talking about what's coming up. There's Obama's picture. (laughs) (laughs) There's Oprah's picture. There's Branson's picture. And uh, then he talks about us, the customers, the participants, and he says, "Um, we've got a guy who's come all the way from Australia, and bang, (laughs) I'm on the screen. (laughs) I'm on the screen. This picture is like. 20 metres high and uh, they called me out, cameras came, I stood up and they're (laughs) like, this guy, Tom, he's a big deal. (laughs) So uh, they they, they whipped out a red jacket, asked me to wear it and then they asked everybody there to make sure that they – tell me that they're appreciative of my efforts in, <laughs> in the CX community. Let's go. Up. And the next couple. Of, I mean, I left S- Salt Lake City Airport the following Saturday and people were yelling out to me, just like, <laughs> you're a big deal. It's like I went up in the snow and <laughs> people were yelling out to Let's me. Without the jacket on. Yeah. So the, the great thing about that, it was unbelievable, but it cost $80 for a jacket. The thing is the employees... Loved my wife would go to the shops and that people would be saying, We love Tom, we love working with Tom. She could, she, she was a bit over it to be yeah. fair. Um, however, however, what happened there was, um, yeah, it was amazing for me. But everyone who participated in it came up and took a selfie, all yeah. the staff that kind of got involved. There's this kind of like collective positivity. And from that one small little gesture, what can we do with this request? They jumped on it. Um, lots of people ask for, like, trips around the world yeah, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get the same value. Yeah. Um, and it's not about that. It's um, And quite often it's that discretion in really customer-centered businesses and organisations that really look after their people where this becomes kind of like it's a positive sum game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ultimately this is what I do with a lot of the training that we do about why we do CX, mm-hmm. what you can do with your customers, is about how purposeful your work can become. mm mm-hmm. And, you know, this got great mileage for for the whole company. They all got into it and it was just an unforgettable few days.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, it's insane. But when you sort of strip it all back, it was a super unique experience they created for you and it obviously created a lot of fanfare and all the rest of it. But like you say, it cost them 80 bucks for the Nike red jacket they gave
1: you.
0: So I guess customer experience, employee experience, doesn't always need to need a million-dollar budget attached to it, right? It can be simple. By just understanding, you know, how can we create an experience with something as a point of difference as a result of reaching out to you and the answer you provided and then acting on that. So, Hey, just on that point because um, a customer
1: experience is made up of three things. Customer success, did I get what I want? Yep. Customer effort, was it hard? The harder it is, the more friction, the more pain, the less happy I am. But then there's customer emotion. So customer emotion trumps everything. I might not remember what you did or said, but I remember how you made me feel. So at the beginning you said when you think about memorable experiences, what you're actually tapping into is what are my memories of that interaction? Mm. And I do this in all of our workshops where we talk about this first and what always happens is that people don't love a product. They love the people around that product mm. or service. So mm. it's like Branson. It's a service profit chain. Mm. It's like profitable company, has happy customers. Happy customers come from happy employees. Yeah. So it, it is really all about what do i and there's no procedure that's right for every single interaction but if i'm focused on my employee or, or my customer yep. and i'm thinking about empathizing with them thinking about just what they're after and how i can deliver it and making some kind of personal connection again positive some game yep so um yeah it is it is all about the little things you know, people would rather be recognised than get a $1,000 bonus. Mm. Um, stats keep telling us that people want kind of recognition personalised and that doesn't cost a lot. That's
0: it. Yeah. So, no, good uh, good uh, add-on to that uh, particular answer. So, I guess we are nearing the end of the podcast, Tom. Uh, I guess if uh, some of the listeners out there are business leaders, CEOs, and businesses out there that are starting to get their, their head around that, you know, why... Why, and we've already touched on some of those things. Why should they really pick up, you know, the the experience management and really run with it? I mean, we've talked about the profitability, the customer retention, the staff retention, but is there anything else you can add as to why they should be, you know, really making an effort to prioritise this? Well,
1: I think um, I think two hundred of the Fortune 500 companies that were around in 2000 are no longer here. So really, we're in you know the age of disruption. <laughs> So, um, how do you differentiate? Well, you can differentiate on experience. You differentiate on experience, you become an employer of choice. That's where people want to go and work. The employee experience is better. They're going to stay. They're going to come. So, I I think it's kind of like shoring up your future. The other thing is that I think 90% of CEOs recently said that they expect disruption in their sector in the next two years, but only 20% said they're prepared for it. So you know if you think about what we said at the beginning, the more advocates you've got, the your business is in better hands. But a really mature experience management program actually allows you to really understand your experiences, your drivers, um, matching it to the O data, and it actually allows you to kind of look for disruption yourself to go out and actually be more innovative and really kind of like put your effort into things which your customers and employees really are gonna benefit for. So, I mean, like you said, there's all the kind of like real-time benefits, which are pains in all businesses that can be improved, but a more customer-centered, employee-centered approach, I think will ensure that the business stands the test of time,
0: turbulent times ahead if they come. Mm -hmm. No, no, absolutely. I think uh, you're spot on. Obviously, the rate of change is increasing and it's a disruptive landscape out there. We've never been, as you said at the top of the show, we've never been in a more transparent world. So employees, consumers have got so much transparent data. And I guess the thing to note is CX, experience management, uh, employee experience, it's happening in any case, right? But it happens by default or by design. Mm -hmm. You know, So even those companies that aren't prioritizing it or focusing on it, there's still an experience created for their employees and their customers. Mm. So trying to get ahead of that curve and, and use that for, for good rather than a detrimental sort of aspect. So talk to us about how people can find out more about experience management and can you just sort of give us a quick recap of the suite of services that your business offers?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's plenty of vendors out there essentially mm-hmm. that provide... Um, feedback loops at, you know, different price points for different levels of maturity and they've got a lot of kind of material around why it's important. What we kind of do and, and the reason we formed Sky Blue was we see a lot of businesses which aren't in the position where they're going to go and create a CX team, a chief customer officer, yeah. you know, chief experience officer now. Like these these are roles that exist more and more now and then kind of arrange a team so a lot of businesses aren't going to go and do that we try to do the heavy lifting use people in the business that are already passionate about the customer or employee or whatever it might be and then we just try to expedite that journey so we'll do that in lots of different ways we start with like a customer journey workshop we might collect the data they've already collected and make some sense out of it and come back and tell them what their customers are actually saying and feeling so we try to just kind of illuminate the path forward. A lot of the work we do is actually training and culture training and design, like trying to get that those key moments that matter mm. redesigned from an empathetic perspective. And we just build some workshops and then drive some measurements so we can see, well, we're here now. Um, we know what's important to the customers. Let's redesign it. Let's train people to actually do the right thing and then let's measure the improvement and the impact over time. So we kind of handhold, we like to really partner with businesses rather than just come in and, you know, walk out. We want to really feel the satisfaction of moving that needle in the right direction. And the same goes in the employee side of things. So, you know, getting that employee experience or even that kind of like engagement measurement way more dynamic, way more actionable. So, yeah, we chip in and help any stage of anybody's kind of like ambitions but it just all starts with a conversation. Show notes, I'm sure, will tell yeah. us the, where the website is and, um,
0: yeah. Now, well, fantastic, mate. Well, I know uh, through our experience and some people that I know and respect a lot who have engaged your services, you've made a big difference to uh, to those organisations. And I think it's a really interesting topic that uh, we can't escape. And I think it should be a critical part of every organisation, whether it's the customer side of it or the employee experience. So I think you're doing some fantastic work, mate. So, Really appreciate you taking the time to join us here today. Of course, in the show notes, we will share the details of how to find Tom. If you want to find out more about this notion of experience management, how do they find you? Well, you know, there's a thing called the internet. We're on there. (laughs) We've got got a
1: website, skybluecxs.com.au. But if you Google skybluecx, we'll show up. And, um, yeah, that's probably the best place to start.
0: Tom, really appreciate you joining us. I think it's a really interesting topic. So I think you've done a wonderful job of uh, further defining it and also defining why it's important and how we act on some of this stuff. So I appreciate you joining us, Tom.
1: Great. Anytime. Thanks, John.